4 to 11. Children 4 to 11. That'll open up some seats for people. Amen. Praise God. And you can be seated if you'd like to today. Um, one other thing before we go into the word this morning, and I do believe the Lord has something for us today, um, is the uh, we're with spring coming, we're going to be doing, trying to do a little more uh, work and effort. And obviously one thing we're working on is the challenge that we have with seating. And so we're going to, uh, just so you know, we're working on it. You don't think we're ignoring it. Uh, we're working on getting a build, uh, a building, not a building that, that would fix it, but we're not working on that. Uh, we're working on getting a, um, we're going to get a screen downstairs, some speakers down there so our children can start downstairs. And so that when we worship, uh, they can worship with us, but they'll have it all on the screen, but it open up some seating in here when we start on Sundays and, uh, just with the way this floor works and the lack of sound barrier, if they tried to do their own thing while we're doing worship, it just wouldn't work for either one of us. It would probably be a little counterproductive. And we don't want to be a distraction to fellowshipping the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. And so we are working on that. We're going to uh, get a screen down there and so that they can do those things and join with us. Amen. Amen. If you're glad to be here, say amen. All right. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell them good morning? Tell them tell them you have a beautiful smile. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Would you grab your Bible and would you go with me today? Into the book of John. Amen. I'm, I'm trying to get into whatever century we're in now. Is this the 21st century? I'm trying to get into the 21st century. Instead of scribbling with a pen, I'm trying to use this goofy notepad thing here. So if I look like I'm lost, I'll just I'll throw it over there on the floor and we'll just move on. <laughs> um Somebody said a short pencil is better than a long memory, so we're working on that. I feel the presence of the Lord here today, and I'm thankful for that. I don't say this casually at all. I do not say this lightly. I do believe that God has a word for us today, and it is my hope, and I stand here in the fear of God that I can get out of the way so he can say what he wants to. We need to hear from him. Amen. We need to hear from him. And uh, I'm trusting him to speak to us. Amen. That song said, there's a fire shut up in my bones. I want the world to know that you are God. As we sang that chorus, it was the cry of my heart. You understand, we're not just going through religious routine or ritual. 
Our world needs to know him. It needs to know him. They don't need to know a dogma or religious ritual or tradition. The world needs to know him. And if we can help the world to know him, we can help the world to know him. I want to do that, don't you? Amen. The book of John. I feel like I need a bigger podium today. Just because I'm going to read out of the New King James for part of this. But John chapter 14, starting with verse number 15. Bear with me. We're going to do a little foundation and then we'll go from there. John 14, verse 15. Here, Paige, so I'll give you a second. I don't know why I even walk up here with this coat on. It never lasts. John 14 and verse 15, familiar to many of us. Jesus Christ is speaking. These are words in red in your Bible. Notice what he says. If you love me, keep my commandments. Going. Again, it's important that we remember Jesus is speaking. Okay? Who's talking here? Jesus. All right. This, I want to make sure we get that because that's significant to what we're reading. All right? He said, I will pray the Father. It means I'll pray to the Father. And he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Verse 16. Or that was verse 16. Verse 17. He's continuing to describe this comforter, verse 16, or 17. Even the spirit of truth, notice capital S, spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. Notice this comforter he's now describing as the spirit of truth. He's now describing this comforter as a him. You with me? You with the word? Notice, colon there, but you know him. Who's talking? But you know him, he says. How do you know him? Notice semicolon. He's going to now for, see, punctuation matters. How do you know him? For he dwells with you. Who is speaking? Who's dwelling with them? Aha. He dwells with you and shall be where? Aha. Uh -huh. Verse 18. I. Notice how the pronoun changed again. Him. He. I. Now, did Jesus start talking about all kinds of different people here? Verse 17, he said, again, he dwells with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Is that what it says? All right. I want to read that quickly in the New King James, uh, just because I want you to see something here. That word comfortless can be missed uh, in the original King James translation. Verse 16 is where I'll start in the New King James. I will pray the Father. He'll give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now watch verse 18. 
I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. This is important. That word comfortless there in the Greek is literally translated, the Greek word is orphans. In other words, Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. All right? I'll be in you, he said. You with me? Okay. All right. Skip down to verse 26, just in case I want to make sure we, the comforter, the helper that he's talking about, verse 26 of the same chapter. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Amen? And then go with me, if you would, to Colossians chapter 1, verse number 26, book of Colossians chapter 1, verse 26. Again, just a little bit of foundation here. I'm believing the Holy Ghost to tie it all together for us today in our spirit. Colossians 1 and verse 26. Even the mystery which hath been hid... From ages and from generations. But now, everybody say now. Now is made manifest or revealed to his saints. So there is a mystery. There's some things they didn't know. Ages and generations. He's talking about, well, we'll see what he's talking about. Verse number 27. To whom God would make known, talking to the saints now. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. What's this mystery? Well, he tells us, which is Christ in you. Is that what it says? This mystery that's been hid from generations and ages. What's he talking about, generation and ages? He's talking about the Old Testament under the law before Christ came and gave himself, died, resurrected, but now is revealed to the Gentiles. What's its purpose? It's to make known the riches of the glory among the Gentiles. What is it? It's Christ in you. John 14, we read, Jesus Christ said, He dwells with you, but shall be in you. I'll not leave you as orphans or comfortless. I will come to you. There's this mystery, this glory that's in this mystery. It's Christ in you. And what is that? It's the hope of glory. It's the hope of glory, of a revealed glory. Keep reading verse number 29 or 28. Whom we preach, notice he's preaching Christ. We're preaching Christ, Christ in you. Whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom. Why are they doing this? Why are they preaching, warning, and teaching every man about Christ in you? Here's why. That we may present every man perfect In Christ Jesus. That's a tall order, isn't it? He said, Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ said, I'm with you, but I'm going to be in you. We know that he spoke this of the Holy Ghost or of the Holy Spirit, depending on which translation you... Same thing. He spoke this of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling Spirit of Christ in us. 
And then Paul was saying, hey, we preach, we warn, we teach every man in all wisdom. That Why are we teaching them about Christ being in them, being filled with the Spirit of God? Here's why we're teaching them. Because we want to be able to present every man. That's not gender specific there. It uses every man in the terms of humanity. We want to present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. That word perfect there is literally mature. Matter of fact, in the English Standard or the New English or the NIV, it's always translated mature in Christ Jesus. Paul said, I continue to preach Christ in you. I continue to warn men. You need to have Christ in you. I continue to teach and preach Christ in you, the hope of glory. Why? Because Christ in you, that hope of glory, is what's going to allow us to present you complete, mature in Christ Jesus. Verse 29, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his Working, not my working, his working, which works in me mightily. So Paul was saying, Christ is working in me. And I'm preaching this Christ in me that he needs to be in you. And he promised he would be in you if you would receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the reason I'm preaching and teaching this is because I want to be able to someday present you Mature in Christ Jesus. One more place in Scripture. We'll read other places, but one more place before we start moving. I know you guys are thinking, man, we're sort of plodding along. Galatians chapter 4. Verse 19. Galatians 4, 19. Familiar to many of you. My little children of whom I travail in birth again. Isn't that an interesting statement? Travail in birth again. How many times have you been born? Paul said, I travail in birth again. Until Christ be formed in you. I'm not much for titles, but I have one today. I believe the Lord would like to talk to us on a simple thought. Christ be formed in you and me. Christ be formed in you. I'm asking you to pray with me one more time. And would you ask the Lord to talk with us the way he wants to. Lord Jesus Christ, we need your word. We need your ministry. We need the flow of your spirit. I pray today the anointing of the spirit of God. Pray the leading and the unction of the Holy One. Let our hearts hear and receive of you. Living God, right upon the fleshy tables of our heart. Reach in and speak to our soul. 
I open my spirit to you, Lord, desiring to hear from you. You know the frame of every man and every woman in this room. You know who we are. You know we're but dust. But you gave your life for us. I pray today by your word and by your spirit, O oh God, speak with us. Anoint these lips of clay. Anoint our ears to hear. Speak to us what you'd have us to learn of you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Christ be formed in you. Go with me to the book of Romans chapter 8. We read there in John chapter 14, Jesus said, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. He was saying, I'm not going to leave you without a father. I'm not going to leave you without a father. We live in a, in a generation where there are many fatherless children. Now, clearly, there was a father somewhere along the way in the picture, but he left the picture fairly quickly. And uh, I, I understand that goes both ways. Uh, but we see this in the natural, but here we find it in the spiritual. Jesus is addressing the fact that, right, because he was getting ready to go away. He was getting ready to leave his disciples, but he speaking to them, I'm not going to leave you as orphans without a father. I'm going to come to you. We find in Luke 24 that it's called the coming of the Holy Ghost is called the promise of the father. Right? And so this promise of the Holy Ghost, Christ filling us with his spirit, is his purposed plan not to leave us as orphans. Watch, we'll see it in the word of God here today. I believe he'll help us understand. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 14. Romans 8 and 14 says this. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you notice spirit of bondage, lowercase s, spirit. There is a spirit of bondage in the world. Holds people captive, the Bible says, against their will. The God of this world has held people captive against their will. But Paul is writing and admonishing the church in Rome. You've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. This living for God is not one where you live in bondage. Do this, don't do this, watch this, guide this rule, follow all. Afraid God's going to smack you upside the head if you get out of order. That's what he's saying. He did, you haven't received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but... You have received the Spirit, capital S, of adoption. That sounds like something done to orphans, doesn't it? You have received the Spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Abba is a term of endearment. It's like, Daddy, Dad. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. This indwelling Spirit of Christ, when you are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost that we read about in John 14, Christ dwelling in us, it is a spirit of adoption. It's a taking of you and I from a place of being without spiritual Father and bringing us into a place where the Spirit of the Father now dwells within us, Christ dwelling in us. The promise of the Father, Luke 24. Watch, let's read on just a little bit further. Whereby we cry, verse 16, the Spirit itself, capital S, the Spirit of adoption, what does it do? It bears witness with my spirit 
that we are the children of God. Something's happened to me. Something happens to you when you're baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost. When Christ begins to dwell in you, there becomes a witness. I'm no longer my own. I'm no longer wandering around as an orphan. But I belong to the Father. I have been adopted into the family of God. The spirit of adoption. And what happens when I receive it, it bears witness with my spirit. I'm a child of God. Verse 17, he goes further. And if. Everybody say if. That matters. If children. I'm not a child if I haven't received the spirit of adoption. Is that true? Is that what we read? Is that fair assessment? If I haven't received the spirit of adoption, then I can't be a child yet. Spirit of adoption, the infilling of the gift of the Holy Ghost. Watch. If children, then we're heirs. Heirs of God. Joint heirs with Christ. If, there's that word again. Don't you hate it when that word shows up sometimes? Because it makes it conditional. There's a lot of conditional things in the scripture. It makes it conditional. We live in a time where if we're not careful, it's easy to just grab something out of scripture and go, Oh, I like that. I think I'll use that for myself and for my life. And we'll leave off the if. Conditional. You understand? It doesn't mean we earn it. There's just something about walking in relationship with God. If, then. And so we're joint heirs with Christ. If. Everybody say if. If so be that we, that we what? Oh, hold on a minute. I'm not interested in this joint air stuff anymore. Suffer with him? Is that what this is? We're joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him. Why? That we may be also glorified together. You got that? Verse, next verse, 18. Watch what, watch what Paul said here. For I reckon. Everybody say I reckon. I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared. With the glory which shall be revealed Where? It's going to be revealed in us. It's going to be revealed in us. Remember what we read earlier? Christ in you, the hope of glory. This glory is going to be revealed in us. How's it going to be revealed? It's going to be revealed through us when we become joint heirs with Christ. How do we become joint heirs? If so be that we suffer with him. Still with me? I'm talking about Christ being formed in us. I want that, don't you? Amen. So go with me to, this is why I can't use technology. See, it shuts off on me. That's why a pen is better. My paper never just disappears on me. Amen. So bear with me while I type again and never do this again. Pray for me. Once I crossed 50, I started going away. I said I'd never go, but here we are. So if we suffer with him, Now, Galatians 4, go to Galatians. I know we've been there already, but I want you to see. Again, I believe the Holy Ghost is going to tie this together for us. Right? Scripture supports Scripture. Sometimes we want to just take one verse and go, oh, that's good enough. 
and we don't have clear understanding because it disagree, the way we interpret it disagrees with another part of Scripture. Well, that can't be. Scripture always supports Scripture. So Christ said, I, I won't leave you as orphans. I won't leave you comfortless. I'm going to come to you. We find in Galatians the spirit of adoption, which is Christ in you. So that fits what we hear from Jesus in John 14. But now Galatians 4 and 1. Now we can be joint heirs. If so, we suffer. We just read that in Romans, right? Now watch Galatians 4 and 1. Now I say that the heir, hey, there's that word again. Anybody interested in being an heir? Some of you. Yeah, I am. I want to be an heir. Now I say the heir, as long as he is a child, differs nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. That's important, isn't it? I want you to catch that. I'm reading slow because I don't want us to just skip over this like, oh, he's going to read it and then talk about it. Yes, but we need to see what the word says. The heir, as long as he is a what? Child. Now, does that mean as long as he's five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten? No. This is talking about spiritual maturity. This is talking about spiritual growth. Remember where we read in Galatians 4, 19? My little children, of whom I travail in birth again, until Christ be formed in you. Right? Where we read earlier in Colossians, Christ in you, the hope of glory, that I may present you perfect or mature in Christ Jesus. And so Paul is writing to the Galatians. He say, hey, you may have received the spirit of adoption. And I understand when you receive the spirit of adoption, it makes you an heir, join heirs with Christ. But I say that the heir, as long as he's still a child, doesn't differ a whole lot from a servant. Nothing from a servant. Even though he's Lord of all. He's not denying your inheritance that's set up for you. But he's saying there's got to be some spiritual maturity that comes that begins to differentiate in your spiritual walk with God to where you're no longer operating just as a servant, but you're now functioning under the blessing and the authority of a child of God, an heir with Christ. I function a whole lot different if I know I, you know, I, I, I'll be careful here, I don't want to get in trouble. Say something, you guys say, like, who's he making himself? I'm not making now, the Bible says you and I will rule and reign as kings and priests with him. That's in there, you know that? How many of you believe that? I believe that. I believe I'm going to rule and reign as a king and a priest with him. So I have a question for you. Don't overthink this, okay? If you are going to rule and reign as a King. Is that what it says? What are you now? A prince. Yes. Right? The prince is an heir to the throne. You understand? I, I don't want to get anybody confused. We're not saying we're going to become king in the place of the king of kings. Yeah, you understand that. 
but we're going to rule and reign as kings with him. He's going to give us dominion in his kingdom over areas. We understand this from the word of God. Different time, different Bible study. But if I'm going to be a king with him, it must mean I'm a prince right now. Amen. Amen. Hello, brother prince. We must be a prince if we're going to be a king. When we're filled with the spirit of adoption. see some of, And see, if I believe, and I do. And if you believe when you are baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost, that you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby you can cry out, Abba, Father. And now the spirit of adoption dwells in me. And I'm, I'm now not just an heir. I'm a joint heir with Christ of the glory that's going to be revealed. And as he begins to be formed in my life, I begin going, hold on a minute. I'm more than just a servant. I do more than just serve God. I'm a joint heir with him. I'm a prince. I got a kingdom that's coming that he's ordained and prepared for me. And I, you know what? I'm just guessing once we get the revelation and the understanding and we grow in Christ and Christ is formed in us, you walk around differently if you're a prince versus if you're a servant. Is that a fair statement? You walk different. This is what the Apostle Paul's talking about. And he's, so he's trying to help us understand the heir. He's not denying someone's been filled with the Spirit and that they're an heir. But he's saying as long as the heir is a child, he doesn't differ from a servant. There's got to be a spiritual maturing. There's got to be Christ formed in us. Anybody want that to happen in your life? I want it happening in my life. I'm not standing here like I got it all figured out and it's done yet. He's still working on me. That song when you were a kid. He's, some of you are like, I don't know that song. You missed Sunday school or maybe they didn't sing that where you were when you were a kid. It says he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon, the stars, the sun, the earth, and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. Because he's still working on me. And that's the truth. He's still working on me. I want Christ to be formed in me. Now watch. We're still in verse 1 in Galatians 4. Oh, Lord, help me move faster. Verse 2, this is the child, right? The heir, the child, but not Christ not formed yet, not mature. But is under tutors and governors. How long are they under tutors and governors? Until the time appointed by who? Aha. The father says, aha. Now this child has grown in the fullness and stature of Christ. You read that somewhere in the word. The father decides. The father decides how long a child of God that's received the spirit of God is under tutors and governors. He appoints a time that says there's growth in that child. I've been formed in. The, they've come through some stuff that's allowed me to be formed in their life. There's a time appointed. Verse number three. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Paul talked about in that other passage we read in Romans 8, spirit of bondage. He said you're no longer under the spirit of bondage. Here he's telling Galatians. When we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. Now, if you read that too fast, you'll miss what he's implying clearly there. As long as someone is in bondage to sin in the world, they are a child. 
There is no spiritual growth or maturity in bondage to sin. It can only come by receiving the spirit of adoption. They're orphans. They're fatherless children. Or they're like Jesus spoke to the scribes and Sadducees that were religiously traditional when he said, you always do the works of your father, the devil. Is that what he said? And so we, he's looking back. We were children in bondage under the elements of the world. Verse number four. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. Verse five. Why did he do that? Why did Christ come? Why did God come and robe himself in flesh and dwell among us? Here's why. To redeem us that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. The purpose of Jesus coming was to redeem you and I. We know that, but it goes much further than that. That redemption was the indwelling of his spirit, the spirit of adoption, so that we could be adopted as spiritual sons. Is that what it says? That we might receive. Verse 6. And because you are sons. Oh, I like this part. Because you are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son. Capital S, right? Into your hearts. That's John 14, where Jesus promised, I am with you, but I shall be in you. This spake he of the comforter, which is, we read in John 14, 26, the Holy Ghost. When you are baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost, you receive the spirit of adoption. The spirit of adoption helps us to cry out, Abba, Father. It's the spirit of adoption that says, I'm no longer in bondage to the God of this world. I've been purchased with a price. He came and redeemed me that he could give me a spirit of adoption as a son. That's worth rejoicing about, amen? amen. But he doesn't stop there. Verse 7, wherefore? Remember how this chapter started? Wherefore, you are no more a servant. So if you're no more a servant but a son, that means some spiritual maturity has grown, happened, right? Because we read in verse 1, an heir differs nothing from a servant as long as he's a child. But Paul is talking about some progression that's happened here. Wherefore, you're no more a servant but a son. And if a son, then you're an heir of God through Christ, verse 8. Now watch, he's turning right here. How be it then? When you did not know God, or when you knew not God, you did service to them which by nature are no gods. He's trying to get us to remember. Before you knew God, before you had a relationship with God, before the Spirit of God dwelt in your heart, you served your flesh. You served those which are not gods. You served, lowercase g, the God of this world. Before you knew him, you did that. But you received the spirit of adoption and it changed who you served. But as you served him, you realize, hold on, I'm more than a servant. He began being formed in me. I don't serve him the way I serve the God of this world before he filled me with his spirit. When he filled me with his spirit, it was a spirit of adoption. And so as I'm a child, I sort of got this attitude of a servant. But as Christ is formed in me, I start getting revelation. Hold on, I'm not just serving my father. He's my father. I'm his child. I'm no longer just serving. I'm an heir. I've got something on my life greater than servanthood. I've got sonship setting on me. This comes through the process of Christ being formed in you. But watch verse 9. I want you to see this. 
But now, everybody say now. This dumb thing went off again. But now, after you have known God, or rather are known of God, now he asks another question. How do you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements? How is it that you received the Holy Ghost? You were filled with the spirit of adoption. You recognized that you were fatherless. You were an orphan. You were comfortless. You were in bondage to the world. And the Spirit of God came on you. You received the blood of Christ through the waters of baptism. And in so doing, then He filled you with His Spirit. You received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And, and you knew, I've been born again. I've been born again. Now, after you've known God or you're known of God, how is it that you turn again to the weak? And the beggarly elements, whereunto you desire again to be in bondage. He said, how is it that you are going back to what you got brought out of? Paul was wrestling with this. What's going on? How could someone who was in bondage to sin and the God of this world be adopted by the Lord Himself and receive the Spirit of God into their hearts and then begin turning back to the weak and the beggarly elements of this world. The English Standard Version says this, How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? How can you go back to those things? Paul's asking this question. He's not asking it of people that have no knowledge of God. He's asking it of people who have received the Spirit of God. So clearly this is something that can happen. Receiving the Spirit of God doesn't exempt me from going back. So what's the answer? We won't read verses 10 all the way down to 18, but we'll read verse 19. Here's what Paul says. This is the context of that verse. My little children. Notice he didn't call them my mature saints. Now I'm not picking on you this morning. If you, you know where you are with God. Amen. But there's something we've got to see here from these principles of the word of God. Paul lays all this out and what he's dealing with. And people turning back to the weak and beggarly elements. Even though they received the spirit of adoption. And what did it do to him? He said, here's what it does to me. It takes me back to a place of prayer. And he said, children, he called them my little children. I'm travailing in prayer. That's a place of prayer. It's like a mother giving birth to a child, travail. I travail in birth again. Again, I need something to be born in them again, God. Somehow it's grown weary. Somehow it's, the fire has gone out. Somehow the passion has been lost. Somehow the adversaries robbed them of the revelation of who you are and what you've done. Somehow the adversaries robbed them of joy and hope and confidence in you. And so the Apostle Paul said, I found myself in a place of prayer and travail again. And what was I praying? I was praying Christ be formed in them. Christ be formed in them. I know what they're going through. 
I understand they're facing some things. I understand there's some trials and tests. But I know it's serving your purpose. Christ be formed in you. Christ be formed. That word formed there in the Greek literally means until a mind and life in complete harmony with the mind and life of Christ shall have been formed in you. Hear me today. There is a process from the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And I thank God for the baptism of the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. There is a process from the infilling of the Holy Ghost, the comforter, the spirit of adoption. There's a process from there to Christ being formed in us, to us being heirs, joint heirs with Christ. There's a process. I I had this thought this morning. I didn't follow through on it. Might have got messy. I thought I should probably bring a couple of tables up here. Just pile a couple of cans of Play-Doh on both of them. Wouldn't that have been fun? Just got a couple volunteers to come up here. I said, here's what I'd do. Just so I just need you to get this picture in your mind. Act like it's happening, okay? We got Brother Martin sitting right here with his Play-Doh. All right. We got Brother... Uh, we use Sister Priscilla. We got Sister Priscilla sitting right here with her Play-Doh. And I'm like, okay, here's the deal. I want you both to take your Play-Doh, and I want you to make the best-looking full, complete man that you can out of your Play-Doh. Okay? Brother Martin, you have 10 seconds. Sister Priscilla, you take all the time you'd like. Now, it wouldn't take long for you to go, well, Brother Martin probably doesn't have much of a chance here. Right? Forming takes time. Forming takes time. But if they were up here... Using that Play-Doh, see, but we want, we want to be filled with the Spirit of God, and then everything's changed. No pain, no problem, no pressure. Everything's wonderful, perfect. I received the Spirit of adoption. Everything's good. I got no issues in life now. I thought it was supposed to fix everything. No! Christ has to be formed in you. The infilling of the Holy Ghost is the birth. And so Paul said, I'm travailing. I'm travailing in birth again. Again, there's some more things that got to be birthed in their spirit by the Spirit of God that's dwelling in them. I'm praying again until Christ is formed in you. Now, if they were up here working with this Plato, just humor me. Can you imagine if they were forming like this? Be like, dude, get your hands in there. Work on it. You know, forming takes some things. Scribbled a few thoughts. Forming requires pressure. Everybody's favorite. Can't form it without pressure. Inside and outside. That's why he's the potter, not the sculptor. Sculptor only works on the outside. Potter reaches inside the vessel as well as on the outside. There's pressure. 
You want Christ to be formed in you? You need to understand. See, the adversary would like us to give up and give in and say, why is this happening to me? I'll tell you why it's happening. Christ is being formed in you. And there's something beyond the pressure. There's something beyond the pressure. It's Christ being formed. you got to trust the process. you got to trust his working. He wants to be formed in you. It means there's pressure. You know what? If he's formed, there's some pulling different directions. Got to take this that doesn't have much shape. You got some pull. You know, you, you might not believe this, but when I was born, I wasn't 6'3". <laughs> Been a mess for my mom, wouldn't it? Amen? When Brother Jerry was born, he might have been as tall as he is, but I wasn't. <laughs> I love you, Brother Jerry. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Brother Jerry. No, no. There's some point. Anybody ever have growing pains? I remember our oldest son. He went through a stage where his legs were always bothering him. Might have even been my youngest son. But always bothering him for a season. We're like, what are we? I can't do anything. It's growing pains. What's happening? Some of those platelets. I don't, I'm not a medical person. I don't know. We got too many nurses in here for me to delve off into something and get myself in trouble. But. But know that these platelets or whatever it is in their bones, something happening. There's pain going on in there. And what is it? That's in the natural. But in the spiritual, for, for forming, there's some pressure. And there's some pulling. There's some stretching. There's some shaping. For, for forming, there, you know what? I, I could imagine. You've probably done this with clay or Play-Doh before. Yeah? There may be a little beating along the way. Not in a bad way. Not in a bad way. But it's part, of the, it's part of the forming. But we want to get upset at God when I'm going through something. God, change my perspective. Be formed in me. Be formed in me. Be formed in me. There's some pushing. And guess what there is in this forming process? There are even some cutting away. Some cutting away of some things, some taking out of some things, some putting in of some things. It's the forming process. And Paul was saying when he talked about all of this, he said, some of you are turning back. Why would they turn back? I'll tell you why. Because Christ was being formed and they didn't understand the process. And maybe they got angry at God or resented God because they were going through it. Not recognizing there's something beyond if you'll let Christ be formed in you. Let him be formed in you. Let him be formed in you. Peter said in 1 Peter 4, verse number 12. Beloved. What a way to start that verse. Beloved. Everybody say beloved. Beloved. That's who he's talking to. Beloved. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial. Which is to try you. As though some strange thing happened to you. Colon. Verse 13. But rejoice. That's what you were expecting, right? Fiery trial, rejoice. Fiery trial, rejoice. Peter, you have lost it. What do you mean rejoice? I'm going through a fiery trial. Right. Rejoice. Why would I rejoice when I'm going through a fiery trial? Inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering. That. When his glory shall be revealed, you may be what? You'll be what? How will you be glad? Also with, with what? 
exceeding joy. I'm talking about Christ being formed in you. Some of these trials and tests that come your way that seem like, why am I going through this? Why am I facing this? Maybe the prayer should change from God. What would happen if I begin to pray, God, be formed in me? Whatever it is that I'm fellowshipping here in this suffering, however you're going to use it, I just want you to be formed in me. I just want you to be formed in my body. I want you to be formed in my spirit. I want you to be formed in my life. I want Christ to be formed. And this is what the Apostle Paul was praying for the church. I'm travailing in birth again until Christ be formed in you. I need you to become a mature child of God to where you're no longer just a child, but you're maturing to become an heir and you're going to reign as a king and a priest with him. But you got to let Christ be formed in you. It's part of the process. It's part of the process. But watch, he doesn't stop there. If you be reproached, Man, I don't like some of these words. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, what are you supposed to be? Happy. If you're reproached for the name of Christ, happier. Man, I'm starting to dislike Peter if I'm not careful. Beloved, don't think it's strange. Fiery trials. Rejoice over fiery trials. If you're reproached, be happy. What in the world? Tell you what, the Apostle Peter understood those things are helping Christ be formed in me. And I'm not looking at the temporary. I'm looking at the eternal. And if Christ is being formed in me, there's something beyond this test. There's something beyond this trial. There's something beyond this pain. There's something happening through this pressure. It's Christ being formed in me. Why are you happy? For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you on their part he's evil spoken of but on your part he is glorified verse 15 but let none of you suffer as a murderer as a thief or as an evildoer as a bittybody in other men's matters verse 16 yet if any man suffer as a Christian let him not be ashamed but let him glorify God on this behalf Now hear me. It's okay to be sitting there and going, I'm not there yet. And I can tell you there's some days I'm not there yet. But if my perspective aligns with the word of God, the spirit of God, that spirit of adoption, then I'm going, okay, God, I'm going to try. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to rejoice in this. I don't understand it, but I'm going to rejoice because you're God and you've not lost control. You know where I'm at. You know what I'm going through. I'm rejoicing because you love me enough to be formed in me. I'm rejoicing because you love me enough to be with me through this. You you haven't left me as an orphan. You've not left me comfortless. But the Spirit of God dwells in me. And Christ is being formed in me. Therefore, I will rejoice even in the fiery trial. I will be happy even in times of reproach. Why? Because I understand the working of the Spirit of God within me. Christ is being formed in me. This is what he said. I don't even know what verse I'm on anymore. Oh, well, it was there. Was that verse 16 that we read? Okay. 
Let's hurry and finish. Philippians chapter 3. Paul's writing here. Listen to the cry of Paul's heart. His spirit, the spirit of God in Paul. That I may know him. Who's him? The Lord Jesus Christ. And the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his suffering. I don't just want the resurrection power. I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings as well. See, Paul had this revelation. Being made. What's that word? Con what? Conformable. Catch that? Being made conformable. Knowing the power of his resurrection is Christ being formed in us. But knowing the fellowship of his sufferings is Christ being formed in us. And I'm being made conformable to his death. His death. His death. Verse 11. Why would I go through this and accept this as a child of God? Here's why. If by any means... I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. See, King James doesn't help us sometimes because the way he says stuff. But here's what the Apostle Paul said. I'll fellowship his suffering. I'll rejoice in the power of his resurrection if I can somehow attain what he attained, which is even though he died, he rose from the dead. And I'm believing that if I'm made conformable to his death and I fellowship his suffering, and that's how I'm conformed, I fellowship his suffering, I've had the power of his resurrection, I believe that somehow, I too, even though I may die in this natural body, I will attain resurrection from the dead one day. Christ be formed in you. What does it mean for Christ to be formed? I mean, it sounds good. But understand, when Christ is formed in me, He's going to be formed in my thoughts. He's going to be formed in my character. He's going to be formed in my speech. He's going to be formed in my nature. Peter said we are made partakers of the divine nature. We become partakers. How do I become a partaker of His nature? I have to go through things He went through. I have to experience things He experienced. That's part of Christ being formed in me. His life, my lifestyle, my living is formed. My actions are now formed, formed by Christ. As I finish here, Scripture says that Jesus Christ learned obedience. He learned obedience through the things which he what suffered. Do we really believe? It should be different for you and I if I'm going to be made conformable to his death. And see, here's the thing. We focus on the death, not the attaining of the resurrection. The apostle Paul didn't care about the suffering and the death. He was wanting the resurrection. This is why he said, my little children of whom I travail. In birth again.
He had witnessed some turning back to the weak and beggarly elements. And he said, how is this even possible that you're turning back? And it put him in a place of prayer. A place of travail. For those that he was responsible for. Here's what he prayed. Christ, be formed in them. Whatever it takes, however you have to do it, whatever trial you've got to take them through, whatever suffering they've got to endure, but God, don't let them give up on the process. Be formed in them. My prayer today for you and for I is simply this, if somehow I could join in spirit and agree with the Apostle Paul, is that Christ would be formed in you. That Christ would be formed in me. I don't speak as though I've already attained, but I'm reaching like the Apostle Paul said. I'm reaching like he said. I'm trying to lay hold on those things. Christ be formed. Understand, he learned obedience through things he suffered. Your suffering is Christ being formed in you. He was falsely accused along the way. When you're falsely accused, how do you respond? Is Christ being formed in you? He endured the cross, the pain of dying to himself. When you face those things, it's Christ being formed in you. You understand, he was wounded in the house of his friends. When you're wounded by friends, how do you respond? It's Christ being formed in you. His family and his friends didn't receive his ministry, even though the Spirit of God dwelt in him. When you're rejected by those who love you, your family and your friends, how do you respond? It's Christ being formed in you. We need to understand these things we face in life that the adversary, the God of this world, wants us to get an offense and begin to resist and turn our back. No! I need a fresh perspective. It's Christ being formed in me. It's Christ being formed in me. He was mocked. He was misunderstood. Maybe you can relate to some of these things. He faced temptation of this world. He battled with loneliness in his life. It was Christ being formed in you. You hear him on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'm sure nobody in this room has ever said, God, are you even aware of where I'm at? Do you really know what I'm going through? Yes, he does. He went through it too. God, have you forsaken me? It's Christ being formed in you. My little children of whom I travail in birth again and again and again and again and again. And again, until Christ be formed in you. Why? 
Because Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope of glory. He dealt with agony, grief. Was Christ being formed in you? Those places of prayer and fasting, Christ being formed in you. That closet of prayer that sometimes seemed dry and nothing's happening, you just got to go back again and keep pressing until you break through. It's Christ being formed in you. Those days where it seems like He's not even near and you can't find Him. You just walk by faith. It's Christ being formed in you. Those days where you want answers and no answers seem to come and you're just going, I just got to stand on the Word. That's exactly right. It's Christ being formed in you. We need a perspective and an understanding from the Word of God. This is the need of the hour for the earth that Christ be formed in us. Stand with me this morning. You say, woe is me. No. No. A thousand times no. You weren't born in the natural. And the next day you were a full-grown, mature adult. You had to go through some things. You had to get an education. No matter how it came. It's called life. We understand that in the natural. How much more in the spiritual... When I begin to recognize it's just part of his process. It's part of his process. Christ being formed in you. It's the hope of glory. It's the attaining to the resurrection. It's the power of his resurrection. So I can rejoice. I can rejoice. I can be happy in it. Oh, maybe not in my natural mind. But remember what it, remember what the word was formed? Literally, until a mind and life in complete harmony with the mind and life of Christ shall have been formed in you. The thoughts, I think, are no longer my own. Right? This is the goal. The mind of Christ. To have the mind of Christ. To speak the words that Christ would speak. To respond to things the way Christ would respond. To let the love of Christ flow through me. To let the power of Christ flow through me. You want the power of Christ? There's no way it can happen without the fellowship of His suffering. 
And the adversary of your soul and mind says, why don't you just turn back to those weak and beggarly elements? Why don't you just turn back to those weak and beggarly elements? Do you really desire to be in bondage again to those things, Paul asks? And he saw that pool among the church there in Galatia. He saw that pool of the world. And just, is all this really worth it? Yes. And so it took him to a place of prayer. I'm travailing in birth again. It's a part of the process. I finished with the story. It's not a good story. At least on my part. None of you probably like this. I was dealing with a situation a little bit ago between me and other individuals. You ever deal with situations between you and other individuals? Okay, good. So, so far we're, we're relating. Between me and other individuals. And they were, they were doing things and taking actions contrary to my thoughts. You ever, you ever have that happen to you? Okay, so so far we're, we're okay, we're relating. And uh, they were doing these things, and, and I, was, I was getting frustrated and irritated. And uh, Yeah, you still with me? Oh, good, good, good. And so I, I went to a place of prayer. I hope that's what you did too. I didn't go to a place of prayer because I'm such a holy, wonderful person. I went to a place of prayer because I knew if I didn't, I'm going to say or do something I'm not going to like. Is that just real enough? So I went to a place of prayer. You ever go talk to God and you feel real good about yourself for talking to God? Come on now. Okay, thank you for the honest people. Uh, no, I, I, right? I, I, okay, I, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to go pray for him, God. Here I am, Lord, my righteous, pious personality. I'm praying for these people, Lord. May not have said all that, but the attitude of my heart, if I'm not careful, can be that. And so I went to a place of prayer so I wouldn't do something I shouldn't do and say something I shouldn't say. And, and quite honestly, I was battling all this junk in my mind and I could tell it was trying to get my spirit. And, I, and So I went and I laid on my face before God said, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to deal with it. I don't know what to say. I, I don't want to say anything because I'll say the wrong thing and I'm just... Telling the Lord this and crying out, you got to help me, God. You got to give me understanding or something. And, and, then, and then here's where, you see, you got to be careful. You can really be pouring out your heart to God and, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you, and I made this statement, God, I just I put it all on you. You're, you're righteous. You're just. I'll not judge them, Lord. I'll leave it to you. You're the judge. You judge them, Lord. I release it to you. I release them to you. I trust you. Help me to love like I'm supposed to. And I got up. Maybe not right then, but I finished praying went on. And got up. Felt pretty good. Thank you, Lord. I was sitting later in the day, in the evening, sitting in a chair in my home. Had the Bible open, was reading a little bit and praying. Reading, talking to the Lord. Reading, talking to the Lord. Sitting there in my chair. I don't even remember what I was reading in the Bible. It wasn't related to what I just told you. 
But, you know, the Lord started talking to me. I'm reading, and that scripture comes into my mind. I wasn't reading it, but it came into my mind. You remember that scripture where people were doing something to the disciples and Jesus, and the disciples said, Lord, should we call fire down from heaven? Remember that? That's what they said. I know you've never thought about doing that, Lord, if I could do that. It's a good thing we don't do that, right? Lord, if we could... I, and the Lord rebuked them. Jesus rebuked them. Well, I'm sitting there reading my Bible, trying to just be a good child of God and fellowship God through His Word and talking to Him. And that scripture pops into my head. And I'm like... And the Lord took me back to my prayer earlier that day. And I felt the Lord ask me this question. Would you like me to judge them? Something about the love and the mercy of God came over me. And I cried out, no! God, don't judge them. I'd like you to have mercy on them. Forget what I prayed earlier, God. Please wipe it from your memory. I don't want you to judge them. I want you to have mercy on them. And I begin to pray. Somehow bring mercy. Bring instruction to them. Bring correction where it's needful. Help them to see and open their understanding to turn and bring change. But don't judge them, Lord. Have mercy. And the Spirit of the Lord, as I begin to pray, begin to deal with me on this topic we're talking about today. And the Lord said, I'd like to be formed. You mean the Lord would allow people to treat me a certain way simply so I could go through something and learn something about what he dealt with? And it could reveal a character of my heart that's still a bit childish and immature. Judge them, Lord. Versus Christ saying, no, let's have mercy. You understand, not a justification of sin. Christ be formed in us. I'm opening this altar to you today. Maybe there's something you're dealing with in life. Come on, when he's formed in us, it doesn't just change the inside. It also affects the outside. Right? Formed in me. Formed in me. It's not just a... Religious tradition experience. Christ be formed in me. My actions become what Christ would do. My words become what Christ would speak. My thoughts come from Christ. Christ be formed in me. But you don't know what they did to me. Right? Right? Do you know what they did to him? But you don't know what they said about me, right? 
You know what they said about him? Christ being formed in you. How I respond, it's the forming process. There's something beyond it. It's the hope of glory. There's something beyond it. It's the attaining of the resurrection. There's something beyond it. It's eternal life. Come on, let Christ be formed in you. Rejoice he's being formed in you. Rejoice he's being formed in you. Rejoice he's being formed in you. Well, don't think it's strange, the fiery trial. You're beloved. You're beloved. Come on, remember you've received the spirit of adoption. He's not leaving you as an orphan. He's not leaving you comfortless. But there's a process from adoption to a mature saint of God. It's Christ being formed. That's the maturing. That's the growing. That's Christ being formed in us. Trust him. Allow it to work. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Keep talking about you.